Hello besties and welcome back to the NBA Rage Podcast. It's been a while. Red and I, we've been, we've been all over the place. And so we've decided to add a new host. It's very, very exciting. Would you like to introduce yourself, Mr. New Host? Hello, hello. Uh, my name is Sam. Uh, I'm he, him. And I'm a friend of Ray and Red's. And I'm happy to be your Red Placement for this week. Red Placement, very smart, very good. You, you're definitely learning up Ray Placement in there as well. It's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. We've got, we've got lots of funky stuff to, to chat about. We start off, as always, our NBRH podcast with a head check. What was going on? In, in, in the heads this week. This one was a what pretty crazy... crazy folks doing? Yeah, this week was um, trans pussy phrenology. It was pretty wild. Um, their, their name on Twitter is literally, like, Mediclet, and they are a turf, and they do, like... They do, they do like, um... Like, what's it called? Like, I, I think a good... Like, I think it's, like, a mortician or something. It's, like, a job, basically, you, like, dissect bodies and shit, or whatever. That's the job. And she's, like, has an actual job, but she's, like, really wealthy, and so she just kind of does it for fun. Which is already kind of wild, but I don't want to hobby shame you. What I am going to hobby shame her for is basically there was like a bunch of molds that came out of different people's vaginas. And I think there was like 30 and like one of them was trans. But she looked at them and obviously this might come as a, this came as a bit of a shock to this turf, but not all vaginas look the same. And there were a couple of labias that looked a little bit different. And so she was like, oh, they must be trans labias. And then from there, she just doubled down and it just didn't go very well. There was literally a porn star, um, Electra Rain, who had like one of her... Like, her vagina was there. And then, obviously, Mediclip was like, oh, that's a trans vagina. And the porn star's like, it's definitely mine. Like, here's, here's all of my work, by the way, in case you want to double check it. And a normal person would go, okay, I'm probably in the wrong. You, the vagina owner, knows your own vagina pretty well. This person did not double down. This person was like, no, 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 no. There's no way, either there's no way that you're cis or there's no way that's your vagina. Which is just, like, an insane response to have. Yeah, that's kind of a, a mad tangent to go on, but she has struck upon an excellent, excellent idea for a board game. Have you ever played Guess Who? <laughs> Is it Guess the Vagina? Well, okay, look, there was supposed to be more build-up there, but oh. you, you've hit the nail on the head. Guess I'm the thinking, Vagina. Look, and we have a, a spin-off, which is obviously penises. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I'm thinking we can sell these, like, 20 quid a pop, family yeah. game. Yeah, all yeah, family involved. That'll be yeah, it'll all be family great. involved. Well, we can have a censored version, and it's just some pixelated cards that people have to guess. Yeah, that, that, what they that's, are. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, yeah. Also, this story gets even more crazier because then it got revealed slightly afterwards. People just like scrolling through her Twitter to see some of her other unhinged takes, and she literally, I think, admitted to like fingering one of the like cadavers, which is like the corpses, which is like actually, which is like literally insane. Where is it? Um, where is it? Um. My Twitter is loading. There it goes. Um, after a study fronted us, it was still this easy. My dad bought our cadavers. We dissected them. Um, hang on. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, oh, wait. No. Yeah. Hang on. Is it? Um, I tried to Whoa. finger one of our cadavers when no one was looking to figure out if it could be the clitoral body. So literally just like, oh, look, it's a corpse. I'm going to like finger their corpse to see. Like, it's just like, it's not okay. It's just not. Just don't do that. Maybe. No, it's, it's certainly not the same thing to do. This is how I found out about this. There's, I got a tweet on my Twitter that was basically along, along the lines of what you've just said, which is, maybe don't do that. And I had to go through a chain of, of several tweets to finally realise, hang on, yeah. something's, got, something's happened here. Literally, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's like so insane, like a fucking, just the most mental story, as quite often happens mm. with like random turfs. Usually one of them is like, they're actually like a secret, like, 
like like Tory council like super privileged person or, or they just have like insane takes like this like do we want to do you, are you team um fingers dead corpses and hates women's vaginas or are you team normal literally what anyone is, else is this the twilight shipping again team edward team jacob yeah yeah which is, team are, are you <laughs> you team fingers bodies or not what, yeah what are you? i'm definitely not mb rage podcast does not stand fingering dead bodies um because that's not consensual mm. um yeah so that's our head check for the week which was, which was pretty fucking wild i think it's it, it's a pretty good one it's honestly pretty mental i just love the the the, the doubling down of i know this porn star's vagina better than she does to the point where i'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna debate you about your own vagina. It'll be it'll be great. Maybe Ben Shapiro can debate her on it as well. <laughs> Let's say hypothetically. <laughs> Let's say hypothetically. Uh, yeah, so that's just like a fun little little intro to start. And now we're talking about the biggest stuff. Um, the main thing that happened, which was uh, well, sort of the the reaction was obviously the Gary Lineker stuff, which was I thought very funny just because it blew up in the BBC's face. But the main thing is about the government to silent policy. We sort of touched on it a little bit last episode, but I didn't have like in detailed notes, so I wanted to go more in detail actually one of my notes comes from from mooncat who i know you like julie i do um, love mooncat, because she absolutely. made it she made she made a great video on it um but yeah the, the, the policy is just fucking insane for those of you who missed it basically it was like right at the start of the year rishi sunak's like here's our five priorities for 2023 one of them is stop the boats which is like stop illegal channel crossings which like even from a a policy standpoint is really fucking hard to do because basically what he's saying is we're going to ban illegal immigration and it's like that's that's so fucking hard to do australia tried to do it like four years ago and it like got worse if anything like obviously it's a terrible inhumane thing to do but even like politically it's a bold strategy because you're trying to ban migrants full stop which probably won't work and then what happens is everyone's just going to be like oh fuck you like it's it's just insane but, it's a lose-lose all around, really, in terms yeah, of... Yeah, literally. Um, so, yeah, that, that's basically what it is. Um, I, I also saw a great thread on Twitter. One thing that I've discovered since the last podcast is how to save... Um, how to bookmark stuff, which is really, really useful, because we don't have to spend five minutes going, guys, where is this tweet? Now I can just go to my bookmarks, and I find it really quickly. Well, okay, so this is... I'm going to sidetrack us for a second here. The fellow listeners, you may not know this about our good friend Ray. Uh, they are legendarily bad at learning how computers work yeah um, so bookmarking one of those features you may have used before whether that's on twitter or maybe is a, a bookmarks bar on your browser this is new and magic in in the world of ray I'm yeah sure. it's it's really simple as well i don't know why i never did it but it's <laughs> I'm great to put you on blast no it's it's like totally it fair enough i mean if you're if you're 22 years of age and you don't know how to bookmark and you've been using twitter for many years i feel like that is very fair enough um so yeah it's a great this thread was from russ jones russ in cheshire on twitter he was just talking about it um and it was it was basically just like debunking lots of the big claims um we're taking in too many migrants you know these common common talking points from you you're probably a racist uncle at the dinner table uh we're taking in too many migrants there are 281 million migrants globally and the uk took in 90,000. that's 0.032 percent and we have 0.9 percent of the global population so to do our part um we should take in three times as many migrants um also, yeah, the, 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 there's there's tons and tons of good one, um, like yeah, the, yeah, there's just tons, um, like we can't, yeah, yeah, there, there's there's tons and tons of great threads. I'm trying to find the good ones. Uh, stricter laws will deter illegal immigration. This is the main point about why the policy is not even going to work anyway. It is insanely inhumane. Since 2010, UK immigration law has been tightened 168 times, on average once a month. 43 laws on small boats alone. If this stuff deterred, it would have deterred by now. And it's it's not and that's basically the whole point um 
there's also lots of other points as well. Like, I know not everyone's like, it's the classic, like, why does everyone, like, if they're asylum seekers, like, why do they come to the UK? Maybe because they want to come to the UK. The entire point is they're in a desperate situation. They're leaving their country. The vast majority of them, like the huge majority, do end up going into like literally neighboring countries. A very small percentage do come to the UK. Um, and like they're allowed to come to whatever country they want. If you claim asylum, you're allowed to claim asylum in whatever country. All you have to do is get there. It doesn't matter how you get there. Once you are there, you then claim asylum and it will usually get approved. Um, so it's like just, just such a stupid take about like and yeah it's just really annoying um i'm trying to get some other notes as well and, and just the main point is like the reason why this why there's so much stuff about oh they're all staying in five star hotels it's just because of like inhumane policy like um according to navarra media someone who i obviously mentioned quite a lot 94 percent of asylum claims made in 2021 are still not answered which means that most people who are claiming asylum are having to spend over a year in the uk here again for this mooncat video i mentioned i think um Obviously, Afghan, Afghanistan, that was a massive, you know, refugee crisis a couple of years ago. Um, there was a scheme that the UK government had to, like, rehouse vulnerable refugees from Afghanistan in the UK. Uh, I think there was a number of people, Afghans, who arrived on small boats in the UK in, in 2022 was 8,633. Uh, Afghan, that's Afghanistan nationals. And only 22 Afghan people have managed to be resettled in the UK, which shows just how terrible it is. So many of these people you know a huge chunk of them being like Af from afghanistan and, and ukraine you know places that clearly war-torn clearly need help so many of them are coming in and then because of how slow and labored the process is because how difficult the Tories have made it to get resettled that's why it's taking so long and draining resources if you just treat them like human beings and like accept their claims it'll be sorted a lot quicker and that's what's like mm. so sad it, it's really just depends on the the simplicity of the system we have in terms of uh, you know relocating them within the country and giving them a place to stay if we move them out of our, you know, our whole bureaucratic system faster, cleaner, then ultimately they wouldn't need to stay in places other than camps for a short amount of time. And hopefully with better living conditions than the detention centers we currently have. Exactly. And another thing that's annoying is like, even if they are economic migrants, which is like, because that, that's something they're trying to do is obviously most of the people I believe coming over would be from Ukraine and Afghanistan. No one's going to be like, we can't resettle them because it's almost like uh, year, too, many, many years of too many European countries getting involved in another country's affairs, um, you know, fucked it up. And now the rest of Europe has to deal with that as a consequence. So no one's going to be like, they can't come over. Um, the main thing that a lot of people are against is like Albanians. I think it was like one in five people on small boats are Albanian. And it's, I think, I saw again this from the Mooncat video. I think it's something like one point, the average hourly wage in Albania is £1.25, which is like basically a form of, of modern slavery. And that's obviously one thing that the Stop the Boats bill was trying to prohibit. And it's like, even if they are in Albania where, okay, they're not on a direct warfare, like the vast majority of the country are on one twenty-five an hour. So clearly lots, lots of young men are like leaving the country because they're like, I should be getting paid more than £125 an hour. It's just fucking mental. Like, that, that, that's like the not even in like a war zone. But like, even if you're not in a fucking war zone, if you're if a huge percentage of your workforce are getting paid £1.25 an hour or less, because that's the like average, clearly that's a fucked up situation. No wonder fucking so many people are leaving the country to try and come over. It's fucking insane. Mm. And these people who are seeking better lives for themselves, they end up in these over, horrendously over uh, stocked like detention camps, right? Because you've got the Home Secretary, uh, Sue Evan Braverman, I believe. <laughs> horrendously cocked up with this uh, by over like overpopulating several of these camps. I think it was one specific one. I haven't done my research like you have on this. Um, 
like I don't know if you know these specific stats, but it was some ridiculous tenfold amount of, of people in this space designed to hold a thousand or so. Exactly. Um, it's just it's so just, dumb. Yeah. Just get them out of the system, give them a place to stay. In yeah, literally. And like, world. yeah. Like even if they even if they are just coming over for a better life, why is that a bad thing? Do you know what I mean? It's like I feel like it's mm. such like a privileged thing. Like like my family were like economic migrants. My family came from the UK to, to where I live currently for like economic reasons. Who the fuck cares if that's what I want to do? If that like is what benefits people, that's like fine. Like that's normal. I don't get why you're being like, no, they can't do it. We can't afford it. We can't afford it because we've had the fucking tourism power for 12 years. I promise you a random migrant. You, it wasn't like we could all pay taxes and then 50 migrants came over and suddenly we just can't, we can't buy anything anymore. <laughs> the cost of living crisis was not caused by, you know, refugees. I promise you. Yeah, it's it's just a a rough situation. It doesn't exactly show the British country in in the best light, really. Yeah. Um, not that we've ever done a great job at that. Yeah, we, <laughs> Being, we, we uh, no. Yeah, we do, we do be pretty bad. Uh, I've got some statistics as well. I just want to do like debunking lots of the, the big things. So one of them is like, oh, like why do so many people like come over to the UK? Oh, where is it? I had it and then I got rid of it. No, come back. Um, where did it go? literally just had it i saw it in my notes it's disappeared um oh yeah so there was just ones where, like the uk doesn't even take that many migrants the vast majority of migrants go to neighboring countries e.g during the syria crisis i remember there's a big thing about like all these refugees from syria coming over uh, the vast majority went to uh jordan nearly one in four people in jordan are refugees 1.5 million out of a total population of 6.8 million turkey has 3.7 million refugees the vast majority of those also coming from syria um, Colombia has 2.5 million refugees. Germany has 2.2 million. Uh, Pakistan and Uganda has 1.5 million. Obviously, a lot of refugees from Afghanistan went to Pakistan. Um, yeah, like a huge number of, of of people just go to the neighboring countries. The UK does not even take in that many. Um, mm. Yeah, so why do so many people, like, why are these refugees coming to the UK? Because we signed up to the Refugee Convention Act in 1951. I believe the reason why the Refugee Convention Act was signed and made in 1951 was to, like, make sure a situation like the Holocaust doesn't happen again, so that it's much easier for people who are being persecuted to leave. Which, hot take, is a very, very good policy, and we signed up to it, and that's, like, one of the few things that Britain did in recent history was, like, make the refugee thing and be... Yeah, that was one of the few things we did, was fight and own the Nazis and fucking sign the Refugee Convention. It was, like, I don't get why, like, they're trying to change it now. It's so sad. Um, yeah, and I've also got some statistics about, like, asylum as well. Um, so there's lots of people who are like, oh, most of these people who are like, asylum seekers are, like, actually economic migrants. It's like, that's not the case. Um, I think over 90% of asylum applications in the UK is accepted, which means the vast majority of people entering illegally have a legit reason to come here. Also, on the whole point of, like, entering illegally, technically, there's no way of, like, entering illegally. The, the, the way in which the Refugee Convention works is if you get to the country, then you claim asylum. The, the route of getting to asylum, it's not like you walk in and then, like, if you, if you just, like, go in normally, like, if you get invisible boats, it doesn't matter. And a lot of the people who are coming in illegally are doing so because they have no other option. Do you think these motherfuckers want to get on, like, a really tiny dinghy, like, going, like, rain or shine, like, getting usually smuggled over with people traffickers? Do you think people fucking want to do that? Or do you think people have to do that? People have to do that. Mm. It's so fucking annoying. Uh, I think also 90% of people arriving by small boats since 2018 have claimed asylum. And I believe since 2018, the acceptance rate was, like, 90%. Um, yeah, so so... That means vast people who've been coming to the UK basketball boats have been legitimately, you know, claiming asylum and have a valid reason to come here. Also, in 2022, uh, one in five of those who came by boat came from Afghanistan, a country with a 98% acceptance rate. I think now up to like a fifth is still Albania, and even those exception rates are high. So, yeah, uh, I believe in also on the 
what's it called, the refugee convention, which is what I was speaking about before. There's like a key policy point is to foul. You can't defile refugees. And what defiling refugees is, you can't send them to a place where they're in harm or danger. And that's the big debate about Rwanda now. So like, it's not fucked up to send these guys away from the UK because we're sending them to Rwanda, which is really safe. But it's like not necessarily that safe. I know there was a big scandal like recently because it was revealed that I think it was in like back in 2018, Rwanda shot like Rwanda government or the Rwandan army or something like shot my like people at a migrant detention center and they were like hey Tory government your policy is going to send them to Rwanda did you know that they were shot and murdered and then I think like Swella Bradman was like oh no I wasn't aware or oh, I'm not sure what you're talking about but then like it was it already been mentioned in the past it'd been mentioned in like the House of Commons like three times so they're clearly aware of it and the whole point is like aren't they going to a safe country in Rwanda and secondly they're already in a safe country in the UK so why do we fucking need to defile them anyway which is like it's stupid mm. we're, we're putting a lot of political and monetary effort into essentially moving a couple of people to a different country where they are most likely going to to have a much worse time uh, than they would here yeah uh, and, frankly, yeah a, a needless needless waste of you know human life basically yeah exactly so that's on the whole my goods coming here to the uk is based uh we stand and we don't stand the uk government but then this is where gary Lineker comes in and this is where it was like worlds colliding because it was like people were finally interested in sport my friends were finally talking to me going oh ray that gary Lineker, what's going on it was it was a very exciting week but basically over a month ago now which shows how long it's been since we did last every rage um gary Lineker got in trouble because he went online and he compared the the bill that they're introducing uh, the bill and the language they were using around migrants to 1930s Germany, not Nazi Germany, like a lot of people point out. But basically, he was saying, you know, this rhetoric was used by, you know, Germany in the 1930s. We know what happened to Germany in the 40s. Sort of, obviously, the implication is like, if, like, be careful, it's going to go a dangerous way, which is like a valid point. Um, but yeah, it's like something because a lot of the discourse was like, who's saying it's like Nazi Germany? We're not like Nazi Germany. It's like, motherfucker, how do you think people got there? Do you think they just went, we love Jews? And then one day they went, actually, we're going to kill them all. No, they have to dehumanize them and do horrible stuff first. I will say for legal reasons, I'm not saying the UK government currently are Nazis. What I am saying is the language they're using is similar to what was used in Germany in the 1930s. And that's a dangerous thing. That's a worrying thing because we know what happened to Germany after the 30s it got a lot worse for those people so maybe just maybe we should be like hey guys and obviously like i don't know i feel like a lot of like Brit british pundits they're like they, they they get like more offended at like accusations of like racism than they do at actual racism like when like boris johnson like calls black people like what was it like having like pickaninny smiles and all all, all the, like watermelon smiles like pickaninnies and stuff like oh that was fine but then if you say Boris Johnson's racist. Oh my goodness, it's so offensive. You can't call someone racist. It's like, oh, well, this government's policy is fucking disgusting and dehumanizing. But if you say this policy is a little bit racist, I don't know, it's a little bit similar to 1930s Germany. That's really offensive. You can't say that about a government. That's like really mean. I don't give a shit if it's mean. I hate the government. All right. That's just what I'm going to say. <laughs> I, you know, we are allowed to be mean to the government. You know, we, you can't stop people doing that. Um, yeah. And if the policies um, are worse than the words, then... Come on, buddy. Like exactly, it's so, deserve it. Yeah, it's like if if you think that saying the government is like 1930s Germany, wait till you find out what the government is actually doing. That's even worse. Um, but yeah, obviously the bit where it gets a bit like controversial is the whole Gary Lineker does does is the main presenter for a show called Match of the Day. I think he's technically the highest presenter at the BBC. 
uh, highest paid presenter at the BBC. Uh, Match today is a BBC show that he records. And so obviously work at the BBC, you have to be impartial. So if a BBC journalist comes out and goes like, oh, you know, and says that, obviously that would be a breach of BBC's impartiality. But the point is, and so he got like called out for that. But then lots and lots of people went back and were like, why have the BBC only like picked on Gary Lineker? People haven't done this in the past. For example, Gary Lineker previously tweeted, I think in like 2019, like Ben Corbyn, which basically saying like, we should have another candidate. I don't like Jeremy Corbyn, which is also a breach of BBC's impartiality. And as far as I'm aware, he didn't get like criticized for that. There's also like Alan Sugar, who's done a lot of stuff. He's been very, very critical of um, Jeremy Corbyn, including one time he photoshopped Jeremy Corbyn into a car next to Hitler with like Nazi medals on his shoulder and was like, lol, don't vote for this guy. And it's like, how is basically photoshopping a leader of the opposition saying he's a Nazi, basically, or photoshopping him as a Nazi, not a breach of BBC's impartiality and Gary Lineker doing that is. Like, either they both are, which is fair enough, in which case, like, call them both out, or one is and not the other one. And that's the bit that was, like, a bit fucky. Especially when, like, literally two weeks before, the BBC got called out because I think the former CEO, no, the CEO of the BBC, Richard Sharp, he donated over 400k to the Tory party previously, and he also helped Boris Johnson's call an £800,000 loan. And that's, like, not breaching impartiality. So lots of people were just like, what's going on here? And basically the BBC fucked themselves because afterwards, Gary Lineker was like, I'm not hosting Match of the Day. All of his co-hosts were like, I'm not going to host in solidarity of Gary Lineker. All of the footballers and managers said, we're not going to interview, like, we're not going to speak to the media at solidarity for Gary Lineker. So basically, everyone just like, fuck you, the BBC, like, solidarity of Gary Lineker. And they did striking and it was really effective. And then basically they did a massive U-turn and it was just a big win. But it was like crazy. We we love striking. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Um, do that more. It works. We we know it works. Um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I I am relatively unfamiliar with the situation, which is why I'm I'm letting you speak on about it. I here's a little fun fact for you. I did not know who Gary Lineker was, nor did Yo. I know what the show was. I'm sure this does not like surprise you in this. Yeah, I'm not surprised. No, I seem but so. <laughs> I learned about this as it showed up on Twitter, which is where it seems we both get most of our news. Yeah, honestly, because because like Twitter is just like so because like Twitter is like it does have good actual journalists that are really funny, but then also just has like normal people who are just like tweeting funny shit. Like for example, um, after the match of the day stuff, obviously you have all these Tory MPs like coming out in solidarity with this post, and so match of the day, which is usually like ninety minutes. Um, basically instead of like doing the usual commentary and like speaking to people, there was just 20 minutes of just highlights of the game, which doesn't usually happen. And so a bunch of Tory MPs like tweet that afterwards being like, oh, I loved match of the day today. It was so much better than the woke match of the day before where they speak to the players. And it's like, they've clearly never spoken to match. They've never seen match there in their life because they were saying stuff like one guy said like, oh, match of the day was great. It had, it had all the goals in. And it's like, they do that every single week. The goals are the goals are in on every single show. I know you've never seen it in your life, Julie, but I, I promise you, match of the day always has all the goals in. But the most insane take was like, oh, it was only 20 minutes, so you had enough time to go to the pub afterwards. And it's like, how are these real people? No one goes, oh, thank fuck match day was only 20 minutes today. Now I can run down to the pub in the rain to have a single pint and then walk home. Like, it's just not a normal reaction that people are doing. If running to the pub in the rain, like, just for one pint isn't British culture, I really don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. But it's like... 
Uh, it was just it was just so funny because it blew up in the BBC's face, but it also did address some pretty big points, and I think it like exposed it to a lot more people. Because I think like a lot of just the ordinary people, they just don't really give that much of a shit about politics. But they're like, I fucking love the footy. Why is the footy not on? And then they were like about this impartiality stuff. And obviously, I'm sort of more, a bit more up to date. But even I didn't know about lots of the the, the match of the day stuff. And again, so you want about Jeremy Corbyn? But all I'm saying is. If people are allowed to slag off Jeremy Corbyn, but they aren't allowed to slag off the Tories, that's pretty fucked up. Especially when you have, like, the leader or, or the current CEO of the BBC donating money to the Tory party, and then suddenly the BBC are, critici- are, are not letting people criticise the Tory party, but are letting people criticise, like, Corbyn. That's basically why I say, in my opinion, the BBC is, like, pro-establishment. But, like, and obviously, I like, like the, Corbyn's, like, the legal, stuff. legal saving, in my opinion, there. Yeah, I don't want to get sued. Yeah, yeah. When when the poor BBC um, intern or whatever finds this episode about five years from now, and you are an incredibly well-respected sports journalist, oh, that's the um, dream. You are just absolutely going to get cancelled over this. Yeah, I'm going to get cancelled for saying spicy opinion. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to get cancelled for saying the BBC should be impartial, and in my opinion, currently is at least looking pretty dodgy. Um, there was also some stuff as well, like Emily Matlace, who at the time was, I think like the main like did news night which is like one of the main political shows and she also said like is it too late to do a coup and get rid of corbyn and replace him with someone else and it's like again how's it a breach of impartiality so that's basically the point because like this situation was really sad because i fucking love the bbc i think it's a great institution um and like it's so important and it's great to have import like impartial news especially because like 99 percent of uk news is like owned by rupert murdoch who's a horrible person with horrible opinions so it's like have the bbc it needs to be impartial that's an important thing and then to see it like have lots of stuff like the ceo donating tons of money to the tory party not allowing like them to criticize the government is just like really fucked up again i get they have to be impartial so they can't technically criticize the government but then also they've shown that they aren't being impartial and i know that they're like the last thing we said was like we're currently reviewing our impartiality rule stuff we're going to see how the rules change so hopefully something positive comes out of this i think at the moment garland because current contract is you can't tweet tweet about stuff but in the future you might be able to because that's another debate as well as like is what he posts in his own personal twitter account like how does that affect it because like it's his own personal Twitter account. Is he allowed to tweet what he wants in his Twitter account? Or is he, like, still a representative of the BBC? And that's, like, a different discussion as well, which I think is, like, more interesting as well. I'd say, like, kind of, if it's your own social media, kind of doesn't matter. I get if it's, like, your public social media. But I assume, like, most dudes have, like, you know, like, a public... Or, like, stuff that you shared, like, to just your mates versus, like, stuff you share to everyone. If it's, like, this is my official mm. stuff where I talk about everything, I get it. If it's, like... Or it says, like, I'm BBC. But, like, if you just, like, is a personal account or you just have Twitter and you just tweet about, like, stuff not related to your job, is that an issue? I don't really think so. Do you know what I mean? That's like another interesting debate as well that I think they were going to have to deal with. Like, as more people involved in social media are going to deal with it, like, you know, I think that's a really interesting discussion. Yeah, I, I think it's fair for a, a company to set some kind of rules about that. Um, you know, I, I think if there is an employee who is high up in your company and perhaps to face off it, then obviously you don't want them posting some things that the company might disagree with on, on their socials. But at the same time, there are points where it's kind of ridiculous to impose limits on that. I think Gary Lineker, again, he's not the face of the BBC. He is an employee. And on a Twitter account, sure, he may have some some reach and some influence, but he's not really going to affect the, the bottom line of the BBC. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, ex- exactly. That, that's the thing. But it's like, it also got like half... 
like half people I feel like wouldn't see it. I mean, he has like a million followers or whatever. If you think about how many people see Match of the Day versus how many people see, or like how many people tune into BBC News versus follow his Twitter account specifically. It's like not the same thing. So I think that is definitely an interesting thing as well. Uh, but yeah, basically that's that. And the one thing I wanted to say, I just thought the whole story was kind of fucking funny. Uh, and solidarity. And so sometimes striking works. So based Gary Lineker, basically. And Tories, stop being so horrible to migrants. They're human beings. Let them fucking... You know, let them. Ex if, if your complaint is that it's like too expensive and stuff, it's just because of how terrible your asylum policies are. If you make them a bit more lenient, then you won't have to put put them in five star hotels for like a year. Um, so there's that. Then we just have other like general updates about the UK. One thing I want to chat about. Oh, it like, gets so much worse down here. I yeah, just, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Scrolling through, it, it does it does get pretty bad. I did Lead want to do one through. thing, which was about the Met Police, because I think it was about a couple weeks ago. Basically, after Sarah Everard's murder, obviously a massive case, and they did. So the Met Police is like, oh shit, this is pretty fucked up for like so many red flags weren't picked up on. How did this guy like who was literally known to his nicknames as like the like the, the, the rapist? Like, how is he able to like be in this position? How did no one do anything? So we're going to investigate the entire police force, see just how bad it is. And they launched an investigation and found it to be institutionally racist, sexist and um and has an issue with homophobia and i'd assume also transphobia but i don't know if that was explored or not um fun fact this is actually the second time in like just over 20 years that the met police has been found to be institutionally racist um in 1999 stephen lawrence was murdered and after that they also included that the met police was institutionally racist which is like fucking terrible because it shows like basically nothing changed in 20 years it's like one of those it's, it's like that onion headline where it's like I can't believe this is happening, says country, says the only country where this keeps on happening all the time. It's like, why are you surprised that Met Police is institutionally racist if you found out 20 years ago it was institutionally racist and then seemingly did nothing to, to help fix it? But yeah, some of the stories are pretty terrible. Obviously, you know, mentions of racism, sexism, homophobia here, um, as I probably mentioned. There was some terrible stuff, like a Muslim officer sat, found bacon in his boots because haha ha, funny prank uh, a Sikh man had his beard trimmed by a fellow officer because he thought it was funny and another Sikh officer had his turban put in a shoebox um but the really worrying stuff was all that stuff um about rape in the report um so obviously trigger warning for for rape here um but yeah one officer said that rape is basically legal in London because of how low the conviction rate is um, one man started an, an inappropriate relationship with an abuse victim basically grooming her um Female officers were treated like cattle and were moved to units depending on which male officers found them attractive. Um, there was another officer who sexually assaulted um, a female officer and she was branded a troublemaker for speaking out about it um, and all this stuff. Uh, there was a gay man who said he was afraid of the Met after he was subject to malicious rumours that he was having... Basically, yeah, there was this gay man and then a bunch of his colleagues started rumours that he was getting promoted because he was shagging all the top Met police officers and they made a, a joke about, like, strip-searching him and then, like, yeah, made a joke about strip-searching him while using, like, homophobic slurs. Just pretty, pretty fucking terrible. Uh, as well as that, rape evidence were kept in freezers in, like, terrible shape. Um, so there was, like, way too many stuffed into there and something like they had to get, like, four police officers to sham shut the lid of these of these freezers. Um, there was one day where it was super warm and the freezer broke, so they had to get rid of tons of evidence so yeah basically it's, it's just fucked up um and i think the worst part about it is like i don't think anything's gonna happen as i said this is the second time in 20 years they've been found to be institutionally racist and yet like they're not doing anything and the government now both of them are competing 
like to see who's going to be more tough on crime than the other. So if anything, that probably means they're going to give the police more money. And it's like so fucking annoying because I feel like some people misunderstand the whole like a cab, like defund the police stuff. It's like some people are oh like you want to abolish the police, like that's a bad idea. It's like but this police force can't function unless it is at least massively reformed and entirely changed. But it's just not going to happen, and it's so fucking frustrating. No, an institution like this that's supposed to be designed around keeping people safe cannot continue to function the way it is currently functioning. Yeah, the true. issue is we're going to have an insane amount of trouble doing anything about it because a lot of its flaws are mirrored in the country itself, right? We've got these issues of, of homophobia and racism and et cetera, et cetera, in the UK. Yeah, and exactly. so even if it's maybe a little toned down outside the police force, Within the police force, you know, people outside it aren't going to want to do anything, are they? Because it just yeah. kind of mirrors what they see in their day-to-day lives. Literally, so I mean, I mean, yeah. that's the thing that's the worst is like you see statistics like ninety-seven percent of like young women, I think it's like women teenage the age of like eighteen to forty-five, are like um, they get reported about being sexually assaulted, like in the street and stuff. Most of them won't report it. And like I met police officers saying basically rape is legal because of how low conviction rates are. That's like one of the biggest countries problems I think this country is facing. And like you see about how they're handling evidence, like that is just insane. Like having to say to people like they basically said like we lost tons of evidence because they just stuff it in the freezer they'd lose the freezer and like lose the evidence i mean like the the process of like having to come forward about getting like raped is so fucking triggering and like to all the people who have the strength to do it, it's like incredibly brave and then to just be like oh yeah sorry be like stuff it in this massive freezer oh we lost all your evidence and then you're not going to get any justice it's like fucking so bad like i don't get how the only way i can see it's happening maybe is like a lack of police like not like a lack of funding but like, i just don't get how the fuck it can happen do you know what i'm like how on earth can that happen it's just fucking terrible so I, I thought it was worth mentioning that uh because as we've been saying for fucking ages um you know the met police is clearly institutionally racist clearly sexist and all this stuff uh and if you don't believe me listen to what the fucking met police are saying about them and that's why you should campaign always to to try and reform it so that these people can actually get justice so if you actually go to the police you know of talking about hate crimes or getting discriminated against you'll actually be supported rather than not um so there's that which i want to talk about and then just in general trans news there's been a couple of major updates the first one which is not at all surprising uh, was on the 23rd of march trans women were banned from competing in athletic events we've spoken about the hypocrisy before um but again just worth noting the hypocrisy so they ba- announced a ban on like trans athletes and basically they're gonna do like a 12 month exploration period because they're like oh we think it's unfair but of course as the, as as um like it, it noted in this article um yeah not a single transgender woman has qualified for international level athletics in in 12 years i think that tells you a lot trans women were not on the verge of taking over or threatening other women in world athletics and not a single one had qualified uh and this is from um loughborough university research and athlete harper who's a trans woman herself and that's the entire point is like they're like we're banning it because they fair they have it clearly have an unfair advantage but there's not a single trans woman who was existing in professional sport. And this is another thing that annoys me. They always bang on about, like, fairness and importance about women's sport. I think Hassan, Hassan Pikes has his take as well, which is basically that, like, all this trans women in sports stuff is, like, clearly bullshit because all these people who are campaigning about it don't give a shit about women's sport. There are so many obstacles to women's sport, but no, and none of them are trans women in sport. And instead, they're doing that. And it's like... Trans women are statistically underrepresented in sport because there are so many stuff like a lack of funding, a lack of all this stuff. It's just so fucking annoying. Um, and the other thing that's also annoying about this thing is basically they're suspend- they're, they're doing like, we're going to ban them for 12 months till we get more evidence. But how can you possibly get more evidence about the unfair advantage that trans women allegedly have if trans women are banned from sport? 
The only way to gather more evidence is to allow trans women to run compete. Now, I know some people might say, oh, that's unfair. What if these trans women do dominate? But, da, da, da. but that's the only way we'll get evidence. If you want to say, look, guys, we know it's unfair because of the evidence, then compete for a year. And if they fucking dominate in the sport, which they won't do, because in my opinion, it's not unfair. Like, it, it's just it's just hip hypocritical. And that's the thing I've noticed a lot about, like, some of the stuff that's been coming up recently is, like, they don't have the evidence for it, and their position is so clearly nonsensical, closely un unjustifiable, but there's, like, not much you can do. And one thing I want to talk about for that happened literally today, which is about gender markers in uh, the UK. So for those of you who aren't aware, I've spoken about it a bit before, about having to change my gender marker and stuff. Gen uh, Non-binary is not a legally recognised gender identity in the UK, but obviously in some other countries it is. You can get, like, X on your passport in, like, Canada, the US and stuff. And so there's a US non-binary person who was trying to come to the UK for some reason, and they're basically saying, what the fuck do I do on my passport? Because it says, you know, that I'm non-binary, my gender option is X. But I come to the UK, I can't put that. And obviously, legally, you can get in trouble if you lie on these forms. If, you know, they say that they're a woman when their gender mark is X, well, then they'd be lying on their thing. They would be liable to get in trouble about that. So what do they do? So the UK, I believe today, literally updated their gender stuff. So according to the UK government right now, I believe... If you're from the UK, they believe that sex is binary. But if you're from outside the UK, they believe sex is not binary. Like oh, fucking... the, the famous geographical gender. Yeah. Literally, like fucking, I get on a plane to the USA, I'm a non-binary person, I fly into the UK and I'm a man. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Also, like, how can you both hold the position that sex is, 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 sex is not binary, which is what they're saying. In regards to countries, we agree with you, sex is binary. We'll respect that. If you're coming from a country where they have X as gender marker, yes, we agree with you, sex is not binary. But if you're from the UK, we believe that sex is binary. Also, they already have other as a gender option, which isn't the same as like non-binary but like it is like kind of a third option but like not it's like it's like weird basically and they're just being so stubborn it's very clear they should just have non-binary as a as a like third gender marker as a legally recognized third gender but they won't so instead they have this insane position where literally geographically and it's the same thing with what potentially happens in scotland whereby if the grr bill got reformed you would be technically speaking a different gender depending on fucking the country are in the uk it's so insane i i kind of i know this is it's it's a little bit dehumanizing but there's a, a small part of me that really wants this to continue and get worse and worse because the paperwork the uk would have to deal with if they started recognizing like properly recognizing and giving rights to gender identities which they should do but only if uh, someone has come from a specific country or exactly. maybe they've been on holiday recently. And they've, you know, exactly. I, I, I want this so bad. It would be incredibly funny if frustrating for people who need these services. Well, that, the that's UK, the but... thing. It's like, it's like their yeah. policies are, are popular. Like, they, they, they t as I said so many times in the Marriage Podcast, oh, like, you know, this, like, GRL stuff got, like, rushed. Didn't have, they had three separate public consultations about it on three separate occasions. The, the Scottish Parliament, the, the, you know, Scottish population were like, yes, we support this reform. Can you just go ahead and do it? Three separate times. And then it's trying to get blocked by the UK. It's clear that this policy, at least in Scotland, is popular, has public consent of the people, and yet there are refusing to adopt it it's just like so insane like it is so clear that, that it's like they just like don't get it because they're in this like little privileged bubble where they've not like met a trans person before and they're like look well i think that all trans people are like weirdo freaks and but like not wait not everyone thinks that that's insane or oh my god i think that like migrants should be like shot as soon as they get over the border wait most people in the uk don't actually think that like i think i saw something today that was showing that even among tory supporters there's a high percentage of tories that 
don't support the, the Stop the Boats bill, then there are Tories that do support Stop the Boats bill, which means they're just doing it, they're pursuing it just because they want to, not because it's popular policy. Like, they're just so out of touch, it's literally insane. Their position is literally undefendable. And, like, it's it's literally the fucking call to where it's like, I'm not owned, I'm not owned, says person who keeps on getting repeatedly owned. It's just, like, fucking annoying. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that just is... Funny as an outside observer, but realistically, for the people that have to live it, it is beyond yeah. a pain in the ass. So, so I did, I did want to speak about the gender marker stuff, just because it is very sad, but also literally hilarious that the position is so ridiculous that now you are different. Like they, they literally believe that sex is both binary and non-binary. I mean, fair play to the BBC; they're they're being they're being impartial. They well, it's not the BBC; it's the UK government. The UK government. They finally got both sides of the trans debate. They've got the sex is binary and the sex is not binary literally legally nailed down in the UK. That's just wonderful. Um, yeah, so there's that. I think there's also stuff about the EHRC as well. Um, basically, the head of the EHRC wrote to Kami Banaduk being like, we should change the Equality Act to like, make the definition of sex biological sex, which is like stupid. And basically, it, it, it's pretty boring. It basically means that it's pretty likely the... the, the they're going to gut trans rights from the Equality Act, which is, like, not fun. But also, it's, like, fucking insane. I saw someone... They were doing, like, a discussion with... I think her name was, like, Helen Bradley on, on Twitter, who's, like, the head of a trans rights org, who was speaking to the to, to the leader of the EHRC and was like, why do you hold this position? Are you aware that literally every other human rights organization in the world does not hold this position? How can you defend it, basically? And she was just like, uh, yeah, I don't really know. And again, it just, like... It's just highlighting the ridiculousness of their position. I'd like to... Think it's like turning the tide a little bit. I don't know. It's like scary. We just got to ride it out in, in in the UK. It'll get worse before it gets better. But like, yeah, as it just gets more normalised, I hope it'll just be normal. And when people hear about ridiculous stories like someone being non-binary in the US and fucking a woman in the UK, people are going to be like, yeah, I don't know how that works, Chief. Maybe we should just let people be who they want to be. Um, yeah, it's pretty fucking crazy. It's beyond crazy, yeah. I, I really hope things don't get much worse before they get better, because we're already down in the pits over here. It, it's, uh, it is. It's literally we're as getting, low as we can go. It's, it's like to getting to the point where, like, the Bud Light stuff is literally just Dylan Mulvaney is a trans woman who's very popular online and just made an ad where she was uh, wearing, she was just wearing a Nike sports bra because Nike wants to promote that you know promote their brand to everyone and obviously she's all about you know inclusivity being women, whatever, whatever, and they're like, we should boycott Nike because the tranny's wearing it. And it's like, at this point, just seeing a trans person, like, being themselves is, like, this is terrible, like, both got the man. And it's, like, it's, a lot, I think a lot of people don't get this sometimes a lot. It's, like, not fucking for them. You don't have to, like, like, there is one trans person wearing a sports bra that is, like, for anyone to wear. Anyone who, who like, has breasts could wear a sports bra. Uh, there was a really funny interview with Andrew Castle where he was, like, yes, but, uh, you know, and, like, Dylan Mulvaney wasn't born with breasts, and the trans caller just goes, yeah, no one was. We were all born as babies. And he was just like, oh, fuck. Which is, like, so true. It's like, why the fuck do you care that some random person... Because it's all about money at the end of the day. Nike goes, we can make more money if we just, you know, this trans person's got, like, 40 million followers on TikTok. We'll show her wearing our brand. People go, oh, that's cool. I'm going to wear that brand. Which is the only reason why they did it. They don't actually, like, give a shit about trans people, in my opinion. And then they're like, we should boycott... It's so, like, just the sight of trans people is so crazy now that like they should boycott it um also like ollie london being like one of the main guys currently leading the campaign to cancel della mulvaney is ridiculous because the motherfucker literally is 
you know I love my K-pop. He was a menace in the K-pop community because oh, he's know the what this is. he's I've the transracial guy, and he literally wrote his book yeah. initially about like detransitioning because he went he tried to like do everything, and he's like, oh like I like it was really terrible like being trans like the rush through trans of hormones. The only reason why he was rushed through surgeries was not because he said he was trans, was because he said I want to look Asian, I want plastic surgery to make me Asian. So the doctor went. Well, it's a bit morally unjustified, but you're gonna, but like, you, you can legally get this surgery that will make you look more Asian. So they did it. I guarantee you, if he said, "I want you to change my nose to like, you know, how it does currently because of feminization surgery," motherfucker would still be on a waiting list to this day. Okay, I, I can fucking tell you that right now. And the fact that like, it's really funny because no one in the UK has acknowledged that he was transracial. Like, five years ago, he was doing interviews with Good Morning Britain, like, talking about being transracial and stuff. And now everyone's just kind of, like, conveniently not mentioning it. And yet he's one of the main guys, which just, like, shows the state of the gender-critical movement in the UK. Like, at least in the US, like, it's pretty big. But, like, in the UK, like, I feel like a lot of the turfs are just a joke. Obviously, the other, like, well, there's J.K. Rowling, who's, like, the queen, and everyone, like, takes her seriously, even though she's gone off the rails recently. But then, like, the other two guys is like fucking Ollie London and Graham Linehan. And it's like, is that the best you got, uh, bro? Yes, Graham Linehan. Truly, uh, truly, truly yeah, a divorced man. A divorced, unemployable inspiration of a human being. What, yeah. a, what a twat. Yeah, so there's basically In that. my opinion. In my opinion. Um, yeah, literally, literally, basically, it's a pretty scary time. Just getting to the point where trans people existing is like, bad boy, got the company, um, which is stupid. Uh, but now we're coming on to the fun stuff after all that. It's it's everyone's favorite section. It's miscellaneous stuff. I know that you love this movie. Everything I, everyone I have seen this. Swept, swept the Oscars. Once. I have seen this movie four times. I have cried three of those times. And the fourth one I didn't is because I was with family members and I held it in. It is, it is honestly such a, it's such a good movie. I'm so happy that like, yeah, it, it, it's just such a good movie. It's literally like a movie that's like so hard to describe. It is better than Puss in Boots 2. Much I love Puss in Boots 2. Hopefully it'll sweep the Oscars next year. Everything over all at once was just incredible. Obviously record-breaking. First Asian woman to win an Oscar. Or first woman who identifies as Asian to win a uh, Best Actor. Um, obviously uh, best, su- best Supporting Actor for Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, trans ally and just general all-round icon. Obviously Best Supporting Actor for Kehi Kwan as well. And if you saw that acceptance speech and didn't cry. Like you're literally a psychopath. That was such an amazing story as well. Like him being like... I got on a boat as a refugee, like, you know, it was my dream, and I've just won an Oscar. He, The person who gave the award was Harrison Ford, who was obviously in the first movie that he was in that made him famous. Like, he was there with Brendan Fraser, who was in movies with as well, and obviously Brendan Fraser got blacklisted from Hollywood for, for allegedly being sexually assaulted, and then, like, has got, like, a redemption arc from the public, and it's just amazing to see. The Oscars this year, honestly, absolutely slayed, even though Stephanie Sue should have won Best Supporting Actor, I do love Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm glad she got it. Um, but yeah, she should not have won Best Supporting Actor. That was the only piece of robbery of the night. Um, also, Angela Bassett was amazing and she didn't get an Oscar. But yeah, it, it was fucking just great and a good movie. It was lovely to see some people who deserve to get awards actually get those awards. It is a shame um, to see Jamie Lee... Like, I, again, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Some of the stuff she's done is amazing. But anyone that can pull off a character like Joby Topaki and do it so well that just absolutely deserves a supporting actress um, yeah I feel I feel like sometimes that. the Oscars is like a bit like you know you've got to do like 15 movies and you like become famous and then you get an award I think that's more why they gave it to Jamie Lee Curtis but then if they're using that argument it should have gone to Angela Bassett who's also done tons of movies and it's like super famous and didn't get it but yeah I love Jamie Lee Curtis also she's like 
she's just like every LGBTQ ally white mom ever. She got obviously she got her Oscar and she said it's a they them. It's a they and it's 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 got they them pronouns in solidarity obviously with her daughter who's trans, which is which is the most white mum white mum <laughs> thing ever. Th- that's that's great, but the it's it's got so much um his pronouns are they them energy. Yeah. Like, oh, it's it's they. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny though. It's it's great. It I love I love them. I love it's, white moms being allies. It's it's trying try trying try to best. Try um. Yeah. There's that. And then obviously, um, I hope you're aware of this, which is Soupgate. Soupgate. Posey Parker. I what, saw this what video. A crazy story. It's very funny. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Posey Parker is like oh, the biggest like. Oh, well, obviously, J.K. Rowling's, like, the darling of UK media, although she's gone pretty mental recently. But, like, Posey Parker's, like, the one who goes around the world doing speeches. She was the one who recycled the woman, like, T-shirt and all this stuff. Um, and just, like, a lot of turfs, she doesn't actually care that much about feminist causes. But she's, like, very open about it. Most of them are like, oh, I'm a feminist, but, like, I don't think period poverty is a thing. And, like, I work with anti-abortion advocates. She just straight up is like, no, I'm not a feminist. I don't support it. There was, like, a big scandal, like, five years ago because she said, like, tons of Islamophobic stuff. And everyone was like, like, Fair Women UK and all these, like, anti-trans groups were like, I don't want to work with this person because she's pretty horrible about, like, is like Muslim women and all this stuff. She's obviously like hung out with neo-Nazis all the time and like went on Tucker Carlson and, and said, I hang out with these neo-Nazis. I don't think they're neo-Nazis. If they're neo-Nazis, that would make me a white supremacist. And I don't think they're a white supremacist, which is like, I'm tapping the sign again. If you're at a rally where people are saying Nazi stuff and no one is calling out the Nazi stuff, you're at a Nazi rally. Um, also, one of her, like, rally, one of her, like, rallies in the UK like three months ago, literally someone quoted Mein Kampf uh, like to be like, yeah, Hitler was right about this about trans people. So literally, and again, no, no criticism of that speech. So it seems to me like she might be a bit of a Nazi, in my opinion. A um, little bit of tacit endorsement going on there. Yeah, um, yeah, she did that, and then she went to. You know, she's been going all over the place. She was doing a big tour in Oceania where she just goes around being like, I hate trans people, and you should too. She had to leave her pro. Uh, so there's been a, we covered it before, like on the last episode, maybe the episode before, where she went to Scotland. This is iconic. She went to Scotland. She was done at one of her rallies. Um, it was the same day that there was a massive um, furry like event going on in Glasgow. And basically they did <laughs> a range event called like, it was just like uh... called Cabaret, where basically a bunch of people get together and just sing. And just sing, be really happy, lovely, and to protest the, the anti-trans rally. Rather than like, you know, do anything aggressive that can endanger them. They're just having a little boogie and were singing songs. And you couldn't hear anything that Posey Parker was saying because they were just doing it. And the furries, I believe, got wind that this rally was happening the same day. As well as the counter-protest. And the furries joined the counter-protest. It was very iconic. We stand of furries. Of course they would. Yeah, we absolutely stand furries. There is no way around it. Yeah, um... Yeah, so that's happened before, but she went to Oceania, and she got owned really, really badly. She had to leave her protest in New Zealand, um, and was completely drowned out by the counter-protesters at her event in Australia. In Australia, like, you barely hear anyone. Uh, Also, amazingly, in New Zealand, which doesn't have a transphobic media, she got owned by media. She basically goes on the radio, and people were like, yeah, you have, like, I can't remember exactly what she said, because it was quite a while ago, but, like, yeah, she, she... just went on and they were like challenging all the questions like hey you've said and done this stuff in the past like why like that's like hypocritical people like calling you out and stuff and then she just like obviously just went on a crazy tangent people started to call her out and just went mental and it was just like a really embarrassing interview to to watch because yeah she just got owned basically um and then obviously at her protest in new zealand she got soup thrown on her by a trans migrant i can't remember where they came from i think it was somewhere in central america and um he you know 
wasn't being accepted over there, comes over to New Zealand, he was accepted and supported, and he threw soup, at, um, threw a can of soup on her, obviously very, very similar to Anita Bryant, who was like the big anti-gay activist of her time, who got pied in the face, uh, cream pied, live on air, gone wrong, um, gone wrong, gone, gone wrong, and sexual. that was like a classic thing, and obviously back then everyone was like, this is like terrible, this is 1984, and again people were like, oh my god, this is assault, and like, I think technically it like does class as assault, but there was obviously clearly a big difference between having soup thrown on you and like other stuff. Um, and J.K. Rowling like has just gone full on mask off in defending Posey Parker. Um, I, I don't want to talk about J.K. Rowling being fucking insane and like doing like trans people's blood is different, which is like really fucking weird. She is just want to talk about Posey Parker taking else. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was great. She got soup thrown on her, and now she's, like, making it a martyr and all this stuff. It was just great. She got completely owned. And she went to, you know, New Zealand, and everyone was like, we don't support you. I think at her, I'm pretty sure on a rally in Australia as well, there were, like, actual Nazis who attended. And she kept on being like, the Turfs do what they always do when Nazis attend their rallies, which is go, oh, these Nazis were actually trans rights activists. They were there to support trans people. And it's like, they were holding up a sign saying like destroy pedo freaks and the like the leader of the neo-nuts group was like we came here to support you posey parker i don't really know how you can say that it's just like massive copium at that point just to be like no um yeah it was it, it, it was pretty wild um and she just got out so yeah supergate was 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 pretty funny uh, it, it, it was it was great to see people getting owned and see, you know, so many people coming out in support. I feel like one thing I've seen recently, especially as the rights gotten, like, the fight for trans rights gotten more serious, is, like, a lot more people are, like, actively counter-protesting these events a lot more, which is having, like, a great effect. And it's true because I feel like a lot more people are getting mobilised, a lot more people are realising, like, in the LGBTQ plus community or just, like, in the wider community, like, you've got to fight. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Even if you have nothing to do with the cause, hey, protesting is a fun day out. Um, it is exactly like yeah. you can just go to one of these cabaret <laughs> events where you'll just sing songs you don't have to like yeah. trans people just sing bring, a song bring a drum bring a megaphone if you want you know do whatever just have a good time drown out some assholes and yeah yeah um i said i don't want to talk it. about jk rowling sucking ass what i do want to speak about is other members of the harry potter cast being absolutely slayed daniel radcliffe who's releasing a series with the trevor project he's done tons of like collaborations with the trevor project obviously it's like an amazing organization and i can't remember what it's called. i think I think it's called, like, Their Story or something, and basically it's listening to trans and non-binary kids and letting them share their story, and it's just great. It's so amazing. We love Daniel Radcliffe. He doesn't have to be so supportive of trans people, but he's chosen to. So the real writer of Harry Potter was um, Daniel Radcliffe, and never forget that. Um, also, the turfs were really weird. There was this photo of his wife that went viral, basically people being like, oh, she's a trans woman. She's literally just a normal cis woman. And as I say, like, almost every podcast episode, the whole fucking originally enforced and gender binary, which is what turfs want, is going to negatively affect women. People are getting to the point now where they see a fucking cis woman who literally looks like, like, oh, I don't want to say like typical cis women because I don't want to police it, but you know, she, she she looks like she's a cis woman and people are going, oh, she must be trans because blah, 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 blah. And she's like, literally, she's like pregnant and all this stuff. Like, it's fucking insane. It's just disgusting. Yeah, I mean, there's no words to, like, I was going to add something to that, but no, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head. Like, it is insane. Yeah, I also don't know if this was in my notes. I'm pretty sure I did a whole section on... Oh, no, we did. We spoke about last time about Hamza Youssef. And obviously, he was recently elected first minister of Scotland. He beat, uh, you know, as I said in my notes, everyone's favourite 14th century Christian, Kate Forbes. Uh, she was defeated and is not a part of the cabinet, which is, like, unsurprising. It was a little bit closer than I thought. I hope Hamza Youssef does well. But, like, also, 
I don't really, because he's obviously run on like pro independence, but then last time Angela, like Nicholas Sturgeon tried to do independence, it got blocked from the UK court, and I'm not sure if he's going to be able to like do something separately that'll stop him from that or not. So if not, he might be in a really weak position fairly early on. But anyway, I was just happy to see Hamza Youssef win and the two anti trans hate mongers lost, which shows that, you know, trans people, we stay winning. Um, yeah, that's basically, I think, pretty much everything I have to talk about, unless there's anything you want to add. Uh, things to add. I mean, there was one thing I was going to correct for you. So the Daniel Radcliffe, um, Trevor Project kind of crossover, if you will, um, is called Sharing Space. And I Sharing did Space, watch, I think I got about half, th- halfway through the first episode. It was very good. And I do plan on finishing it off to my watch later. Um, but it's really accessible. So even people who may not be familiar with basically just how the concept of gender works, like it, it will have pop-ups on the screen the whole time, you know, keeping you keeping you up to date and things. Because it part of me realized as I was watching it how kind of complicated the discussion has gotten for people who aren't involved in it, right? Like, um, yeah. If I tried to have a conversation with my mom about <laughs> the general uh, general things like this, right, um, progressive ideas and, and gender and, and whatever and trans people, there are a lot of words and terms that she might not be familiar with. Yeah, exactly. This is like a, a video that's quite easy to share. Um, so I, I would go ahead and do that. Exactly. I feel like most people's understanding of trans stuff is like, oh, people can do whatever the hell they want to do, but also I don't understand it. It's weird. It's bad. But like, you just got to like explain it in a normal way. Plus like, they are kind of crazy because they're like so contradictory and like, like, I don't know. Plus like being trans, the whole point is like not being stuck in a box. And I feel like with some stuff, it's easier to categorize. Like, 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 you know, sexuality, it's like, you're this thing. It means I like this person or this group of people. Everyone's like, okay. And that's what it is like all the time. So it makes sense. Whereas like, gender's like, oh, I'm trans, but I don't want any surgery. Oh, I'm trans, but I do want all the surgeries. Oh, I'm non-binary and I want all the set. There's like, there's like so much different stuff. And like every trans person or non-binary person like wants different things, which just makes it so much more complicated. But like, yeah, it's good that it's accessible as well. I will definitely check that out and hopefully update you on the next episode. But yeah, that's been the Embry Ridge podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see you all very soon.